my friends, the great experiment. Prodigy. Prodigy. Hidden. Trick. Trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick. Trick. Let your people, you're all astronauts, are some kind of star. Trick. Trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam. <laughs> I made us late. You made, it's okay. I made, us, I, I made us do half as much work today as we were supposed to. Uh, people may notice from my voice sounding strange. You have done a bit of screaming lately, haven't you? Uh, no, I'm just under the weather, buddy. Yeah? It's not smoking? I went to New York for Thanksgiving, and uh, the price I pay is uh, being a little stuffed up today. Knowing what I know about your love of New York, I feel like that's a price you're enthusiastic about paying. You'd pay it every yeah. time. I'd like to not pay it every time, though. I was also I also got food poisoning on this trip, and like I would just I would like one of my f- fucking rare <laughs> vacations. To not be beset by me being super ill one of the days, like I feel like it, like your big birthday trip, it happened. Yeah, I mean that was alcohol poisoning, though. When I went to visit my fucking parents when they lived in France for a year, Mm -hmm. that it happened. I lost an entire day of that trip. Just happened on this New York trip. It happened on my last New York trip. We had to cut that whole trip short. Yeah, I remember. What the fuck? I thought you might do that this time around. I was hoping you didn't. I'm glad you did. Fucking bullshit, man. Anyways, you're having a bullshit day too, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, the thing that's been happening with the both of us is waiting for trades. That should be what we call our next show. <laughs> Just what we do and what we think about when we're waiting for trades. It's a part of this old house that you never see. Like, right. what I want to see is like... Uh, we're at the New Seasons Project house, and we're waiting for the carpenter. Yeah. He gave us a window between 9 a.m. and noon, <laughs> and it's 12.45. They so casually toss off a, well, now that all the HVAC is passed inspection, we're closing the walls up today. And it's like, really? It passed? Like, no problems at all? Show us the four <laughs> days of inspections. <laughs> <laughs> Show us the back and forth, showing the appeal for an easement right. on not passing one of the things. Yeah. So we had a cracked window in our previous home. Mm-hmm. Like somebody opened it, but not that much. See, this should be your bad bit moment. <laughs> all I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. It cracked all the way from east to west, like, like pain to pain. Wow. And we were rightly nervous about this thing eventually like busting completely this is a 40 year old window sure or something like who knows what could happen to this thing so we call a window person an la window company that specializes in these replacements okay and holy moly text is how they prefer to communicate and text is barely how they communicate because (laughs) i felt like i was running the show like, uh-huh. so when exactly would you like to come out and replace this? I said, over and over again, after they had taken the money. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. So today is the pre-arranged date. The time is between 9 a.m. and 12.30. Uh-huh. I'm over there promptly at 9 a.m. 
which should be a surprise to you and everyone else. Yeah, how did you do that? How did, how did you... I'm wondering what kind of commitments you do show up for on time. Because <laughs> it's not work. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> At the stroke of 1245, the LA Window Company shows up. <laughs> sizes up the situation. Gets the glass installed in probably about an hour. And uh, I'm in a different room watching Star Trek Prodigy. And uh, I get called in. Hey, we're done. We're done. You want to check it out? So I come around the corner and uh, the window is open. Yeah. Which means there's uh, there's glass on the left side and screen on the right side. Sure. And I walk up to the window and I put my hand on the screen and I look at this guy and I'm like, this isn't glass at all. <laughs> all I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. <laughs> How'd that go over? <laughs> and I think I deserve points for doing a bit just at the end of this entire process with this glass company. I saw yeah. fit to do this. Yeah. And let me tell you something, Ben. Not appreciated. Jesus. Not appreciated at all. He looked at me and he goes, it's on the left side. Oh, my God. And I looked at the left side, and I was like, all right, cool. Uh, looks good to me. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it went great. But then this is a window with, like, a bunch of shutters on it. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? This has probably got a, an industry name, but, like, it's got a exterior casement and, and door shutters that close. Oh, like storm windows. He's like, yeah, I got to show you this other thing, though. <laughs> Closes the door shutters, and there are, like, two giant holes in the wall next to where the casement went and he's like yeah I had to take off the casement and when I did it like a whole bunch of paint and part of your wall came out with it what and I look at this thing and I look at him and he had crudely patched it with like not a trowel Ben (laughs) we're patching these two holes with our fingers (laughs) and a bunch of plastic we mixed in the sink we're raw-dogging these holes today. We're going trowel-free on this old house. And I look at these holes, and I look at this guy, and I don't even say anything. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have to go back in there with, like, some sandpaper and some paint to just kind of finish this off. Oh, you are, are you? <laughs> and I let that hang in the air. I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm like, I don't ever want to see this person again. Yeah. I don't want to deal with this company again. Yeah. And if the cost of that is sandpaper and paint on my end, then fuck it. Like, I signed his invoice and sent him on his way. Wow. As a bit killer, as a wall killer. I I mean... As a day killer. He's counting on you making that calculation, though, right? I think when he saw the bit coming and saw the bit land, he's like, I just got myself out of this wall (laughs) fix. If I can just bury this guy's bit moment... (laughs) <laughs> he will never want me to stay a moment longer than is necessary. That's so interesting because I was thinking about it like he was so nervous about showing you the holes that he couldn't get out of his head to see the fun of the bit. I don't think this guy was having any fun, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and neither was I. Yeah. Wow. And that was why I was late to the record today. Another bit bites the dust. Yeah. <laughs> Going on a little bit of a streak here of dead bits. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear it. Well, 
that was a great backstory for the mind state you're in today, Adam. Uh-huh. But would you like to get deep into the backstories of a bunch of characters? Just about all of them, huh? Yeah, just about. It's season one, episode 16 of Star Trek Prodigy, Prilliards. You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. Call my mark, go fast. Starts on the shovel ship and Janeway is looking out the captain's bum out window. Did you see the writer credits, by the way, before we even get to the shovel ship? Would I be surprised? To me, what it looks like, this is just like reading between the lines, but I think about a writer's room worth of writers is credited. And I'm wondering if each one of the little vignettes in this got thrown to a different person in the room. Oh, I mean, tonally, does it feel that way? A little bit. I mean, like they kind of went with different animation styles in a lot of them and stuff. So yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was kind of a neat thing uh, that whizzed by. We don't get a Janeway actual backstory to start the episode. Yeah. You'll have to listen to The Greatest Generation for that. Engage. Many Starfleet captains relish in a moment to look out a window while a single instrument of some kind plays. This mm-hmm. In this scene, we get the single piano instrument of Romul heads. Romager <laughs> heads? Romager heads. And the reason we're at Romager heads is because the protostar is just holding up short outside the neutral zone. Yeah. And the protostar isn't responding to hails inside. The shovel ship can't go in. Whatever trouble they're in, they've locked us out. This piece, it's beautiful. Commander David Diggs has come up with a Facebook of the unwanted. Yeah. Unwanted Facebook, you said? Or I guess to you and me, <laughs> just Facebook, you just right? call it Facebook, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a, it's a redundancy. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of ironically a wanted poster for the unwanted. You know what? Commander Tysus could have shown a little bit of personality by calling it unwanted posters. Mm, that'd be fun. But he's too serious. He doesn't seem like a fun commander, does he? He doesn't seem like a commander who would appreciate a good bit. There's kind of a rich history of Starfleet commanders that are like, as XOs, part of their duty is to both please that booty, but also be a good hang. <laughs> and Commander Tysus has not demonstrated the good hang part of the job yet. He's much more toward the Colonel Kira Chakotay yeah. end of the spectrum than he is toward the Riker end of the spectrum. You don't think Chakotay's fun? I'd say that he's f- funner than Kira. Yeah. Kira's the one I want to hang out with the most. <laughs> but she's the one you need to earn the hang with the most, though. Right. Like, yeah. it took a long time to realize how great Kira was as a hang. Seasons, yeah, even, sure. to realize that. Yeah, come to think of it, Spock is kind of a bummer hang. There's, yeah. a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of shitty hangs among uh, triple pips. Did I say the wrong thing then? Are you proving the opposite? I'm just like, I, I agreed with you when you said it, and now that I think about it, I'm like thinking about... The, the long list of commanders, and they all kind of a drag to hang out with. Riker is such a three-pip shooting star that- I know. You almost can't even see the others. Yeah. For how bright he shines. He's really the apex XO. Yeah. He's the apexo. Hmm. Apexo XO, gossip <laughs> commander. <laughs> you love me. 
so they start looking at these people and uh, putting faces to names. Over on the Protostar, whole team is working on the repair after they got their proto drive knocked out. I like the little animation with like the the puff of smoke in Dal's face. I, this looked really nice. These these shots. I don't know why. It is a very pretty show as animation goes, and it seems to be getting prettier as time yeah. goes on. Yeah. There's something that happens in this episode, though, that maybe I've noticed for the first time that's probably been happening from the start is, do you feel like we're getting into an uncanny valley of facial expressions? Like, in the beginning, I felt like this is an animated show, and I'm just noticing that these are animated characters making animated character faces and so forth, but there's something that is growing more lifelike about Mm. their expressions. And this is not exclusive to Rock Talk's mouth, which I've believed <laughs> from the beginning. But like the Rock Talk's mouth effect has been spread to everyone else's faces. Yeah. In a way that is kind of horrifying to me and distracting. Yeah. I it's mean, it's too good. I, I haven't actually noticed that because I am such a uh, subs, not dubs purist that I watch the show in Japanese with English subtitles turned on. So I don't really get a chance to enjoy the facial animation as much as, you know, because I'm, I'm reading so much. You're just a joy. <laughs> Such a joy. <laughs> Dahl has taken the bum out baton from Zero and yeah. is running. <laughs> and it turns the scene into a real bum out measuring contest. Yeah, what he claims is he's coming to terms with being a failed genetic experiment. And I was like, I was yelling at the TV. He's an ambiguous result of a genetic experiment (laughs) at worst. Wouldn't death be the ultimate failure? Right. I would think so. Yeah. You lived, Dal. Yeah. You're you're (laughs) flying a starship that doesn't belong to you as its captain. Yeah, yeah. Things could be a lot worse. Ah, you're not the only one on the ship with a sob story. Well, who can top that? The first backstory we get, and, the and you know, like most things that uh, start in prison, that's like one of the first <laughs> scenes to get out of the way is, yeah. uh, like, what are you in for? Yeah. Everybody's innocent in here. Don't you know that? <laughs> God, they've waited a long time for this scene. Yeah, we're in the back quarter of this entire season for the what are you in for scene. Did you do it? <laughs> Episode 16. Yeah. And uh, so Rock Talk's backstory is the first one we get. Rock Talk used to be in sort of a freak show slash sideshow. I mean, if I was Rock Talk, I would have just sold pictures of my mouth to a freak book. <laughs> huh? You know? Are you loving that? Yeah, you got to sell those mouth picks. Yeah. When you got a mouth like that. Yeah, I mean, and and think about all the joy you'd bring into the world being in a freak book. It's a great coffee table book. I wanted to know more about this dinner theater. Like, it's very POV of both the hero and Rock Talk. But, like, are we eating there? Are we just gambling? Are there, like, tears to the reservation Everybody's so backlit, you can't see if they've got like turkey legs and and other of the accoutrement of going to a medieval times or whatever. Is this a chain or is this just a one-off? 
Because it seems to attract a pretty unsavory paying audience, right? Like, it's got the kind of energy of the room full of screaming gamblers that would watch Sylvester Stallone <laughs> in a blood sport, you know? But, like, it's a kid play fighting with an old man in, like, a Don Quixote <laughs> outfit. <laughs> I wonder which writer it was that basically told the Rancor story from Star Wars. <laughs> like, at first. Like, first draft of, of this origin story is, like, exactly Rancor. <laughs> Rancor? What are you doing here? Everyone's just humoring them. If you go find out that the Rancor has the mind of, like, an eight-year-old child <laughs> and, is, and is killed by a, a falling iron gate, that scene hits so much different. <laughs> Someone needs to recut that scene, and when the gate falls, it's Rock Talk's voice. <laughs> we love seeing how happy we made the fans. <laughs> Could we please just hire the voice actor that plays Rock Talk to do a scripted, like, Luke, come play with me. Ah, I don't want that bone in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, you can be the hero, but not like this. <laughs> So Rock Tuck does not enjoy playing the heel after a certain time. The close-up shot of her mouth, reverse shot on little kitty that is a fan of the show getting yeah. scared away, yeah. would be enough to break anyone's heart, and it breaks Rock Tuck's heart. And so she has a performance where she breaks kayfabe and like does her own thing and uh, becomes the hero, and the, the hero turns heel. And it like seems to go over great with the crowd, but then Rock Talk is sold into slavery as punishment. The setup of the hero character as like a kind old man who's just like doing it for the purity of the artistic <laughs> performance. I've never seen a character lose stock as quickly as this guy. <laughs> he is the yeah. worst. And he's acting all like sad and, and disappointed and dejected while this deal is going down. I hate this guy more than the diviner. He's like your classic right winger who like has this like totally insane victim complex while selling a child into literal slavery. At least the diviner has a legitimate gripe. <laughs> this guy had his pride hurt. <laughs> Oh man, what a what a dark story that nobody comments on as such. Don't feel bad. If it didn't happen, I wouldn't have met you. I feel like Rock Talk is going to be in her 30s and she's going to be in therapy and start to really unpack what this guy represents to her in her past. And it's going to be like, holy fucking shit. He sold me into slavery. I thought a lot about the sequence of these stories, right? And why would you start here? Because it would seem as though you can't get any darker than this. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want this to be the punctuation on the episode, like that coming at the end? But I think, to your credit, I think by making it about selling her into slavery and the awfulness of that, they're obscuring it. Like, by leading with that and then doing stories afterwards, they're just kind of burying it under other stories. Yeah. And I think that's the reason that it comes first. 
It's, uh, yeah, because it is a different episode after this part. Every story gets a takeaway, like a denouement. Mm -hmm. And that is, this is the realization by everyone else that like, this is why Rock Duck doesn't like to fight. And also, like Dirk Diggler's neon sign exploding in Boogie Nights, (laughs) it helps to talk about it, is a line of dialogue here that, I think it's uh, addition by subtraction if you take this line out. I really do. But on the other hand, it's a kid's show, so you kind of have to state the obvious. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. As an adult, I didn't like it, but as a kid, I probably do. What age kid are you picturing when you say that? God, that's such a great question because we just had a story of child slavery. Yeah. I feel like... The more I watch this show, the more I understand it to be pitched not at like seven year old as much as like 13 or 14 year old. Like, is this like the television equivalent of YA? Not so Nick, but Nick at night. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I am sure that they think about this a lot in the writer's room, and I'm sure that they think about this a lot at the network level and stuff. But it's not something that I feel like I have a great understanding of. And, you know, having a child, but not one that consumes media yet, I don't quite know where to put this in my mind. I don't know. I'm curious about that. I don't either. Like, we can only watch it as ourselves. Right. Yeah. I I have no idea. Well, we can just stop the show now then, right? (laughs) We're not making our podcast for kids. So ours is the opinion that matters. This is for all those depraved fucking adults that... (laughs) That get very passionate about kids' things. Yeah, and want to listen to two sweary adults talk about it. Back in the present, Zero has mechanical leprosy. (laughs) And this is the moment that the gang decides to press them about their backstory, too. Yeah, and Zero used to do a pretty starfleety thing, explore strange new worlds, but not talk about it, man. (laughs) Yeah, this is sort of a dream, right? Zero starts describing what their life was like, and it's just like, yeah, we go out and explore, and we don't talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. We went from planet to planet, and we never had one McLaughlin group. I remember how I used to be so free. Unfortunately, these Medusans fall into a trap set by the Kazon. Yeah. Kazons who are wearing Oakleys that are so powerful that the Medusans' superpower can't affect them. Yeah, that that must be what those are, some kind of safety glasses. But I had an alternate theory, which presupposes that for the same reason the Borg didn't find the Kazon interesting enough to assimilate... The Kazon mind is too simplistic to be shattered by the Medusan effect. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're just too crystalline and simplistic to be subject to shattering. I think you also make a great case for why the Medusans could not empathically detect the Kazon being there in the same place at the same time, right? Ooh, like if yeah. they're that dumb, like <laughs> all the all the Medusans read are, are like rock material, <laughs> geological material across the entire planet. 
Well, uh, this uh, this computer was designed at MIT to detect magma displacements. And right. I think when uh, it gets confused, it kind of runs home to what's familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, these guys are kind of like slavers, and they, they've lured Zero out into a canyon when the rest of the Medusans are trying to get off the planet in their spaceship, and they eventually grab them with some kind of Klingon pain stick looking thing. This is another, the kid gets sold into slavery though. Mm -hmm. And in this one, it seems like it's Gwyn that's there to like accept the goods as it were. So a good reminder that Gwyn used to be with the bad guys. The kid gets sold into slavery is also uh, the original title of the Robert Evans (laughs) memoir, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Gwyn apologizes again for this and says, I had no idea. And I I wondered what Gwyn meant by that. Like you had no idea that slavery was bad or that? I thought exactly the same thing. (laughs) Like in a... In a Holocaust denier kind of way. Like, yeah. I had no idea because I did not want to have any idea. I had no curiosity about how it was arranged for you to be delivered to me. I marched them into the gas chambers, but I didn't close the door or turn the, the valve. Back on the shovel ship. The diviner also has a memory problem. Just like Gwyn. He can't remember shit. And Essentia and Dreadnoughter there kind of working with him. To bring him up to speed about what happened on their home planet, Solemn, Yeah, if you remember, is the name of their home planet. And very specifically, who they blame for what happened there. Starfleet, they saved me. They destroyed our world. We get a very different art style for this one. It's kind of illustration-y and but it's all it's like split into different layers so there's parallax and stuff but it's it's a more limited form of animation and it was also sort of glitched out like it was being played back on sort of like beat up digital medium of Mm -hmm. some kind Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) these guys really come across as assholes (laughs) in this backstory because it's like the Federation came and was like, hey, do you guys want to be in the Federation? And they were like, we're not sure. And then that plunged their society into chaos. And they were like, fuck the Federation for asking if we wanted to be in their club. We will destroy them all. This is like uh, being invited to a party and you and your partner can't decide whether or not to go. <laughs> And it ruins your fucking night. <laughs> you, and you break up over it, and then you make it your business to destroy the lives of the people that threw that party. Yeah. Like, that shit is their fucking fault. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I love that it, at a certain point in the story, like, the infighting is getting so bad that the Federation is like, all right, guys, deuces. Like, this seems like a bad deal. The Federation refused to choose a side abandoned us to face decades of our own self-annihilation. And that's the last the Vanukat ever hear of them. Yeah. And then Chicote accidentally falls through a time butthole and shows up like hundreds of years later. And they're like, finally, we have an opportunity for our revenge. What awful timing. <laughs> I mean, I guess time buttholes always have awful timing. Yeah. Oof. 
This is just terrible. Really not a great day for Captain Chakotay. Mayday, mayday. We're lost somewhere in the Delta Quadrant. We need to score a lot of black fast. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. 
and at MaximumFun.org. The Diviner starts to remember at a certain point in this, and uh, I feel like that's when like the animation gets more realistic, right? We start to get like actual footage instead of illustration of. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice choice they made there to visually draw that distinction. I did too. It was um, it was subtle. Like I, it took my second watch through for me to realize that that's kind of why it was happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked it. And uh, he starts, you know, filling in some of the information, and so now Asensia and he are kind of explaining the backstory back and forth to each other, and they, you know, take control of the Protostar and they take Chakotay and crew prisoner. And they're going to send the Protostar back in time to destroy the Federation. Chakotay and a Birdman break out of jail, like at the last moment, and send the Protostar back into the time butthole. Was this a lower decks Birdman? Yeah. Because he looked pretty jacked. Yeah. So he did come in the episode, but I don't remember seeing winged turtles take off. Right. So I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's definitive or not. What do you make of this plan? Like, I love that Chakotay smirks his way into sending the protostar back. Yeah. Part of me did not expect the detail of this backstory to be told right now. Like, this is the story. This is what happened to Chakotay, and it's right here. Yeah. Is he still in the future then? Gotta be, right? Yeah. I mean, until he turns himself into a Murph mm. and then goes back in time as Murph. Yeah. That's the only way to safely go back in time. (laughs) This plan that the solemn people hatch is basically zero sum, right? We're going to take every dreadnought we've got and every surviving person of our species and load them one and one into our remaining ships. And we're going to go into this time butthole and hope one of us gets lucky and goes to where the protostar went. Yeah, because they have a 1% chance of doing it. Yeah. And so if you have 100 ships, you have a 100% chance of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where uh, Asensia, who is known to her people as the Vindicator, comes from also. Right. And she's, she's the same age, but I guess the Diviner came out of the time butthole in an earlier time period and and got old and decided to have a progeny and all that. Right. Yeah, I, I love how forgiving Essentia is. Like, who could blame you? You were alone <laughs> on a child slave planet. Yeah. Poor guy. He had to blast. Breaks my heart thinking about that. A lot of unintentional comedy to the answer to the question, why did your daughter double cross us? <laughs> When the diviner says that she met a boy. (laughs) Oh, how deeply you have understood this situation, the diviner. (laughs) Back on the protostar. All the stories have been told, right? Yeah. All the systems are back online. They're ready to charge up the protocore again. 
Oh, wait. It's Jenkin Pog's turn, isn't it? <laughs> I bet you have an interesting story. Oh, he has an especially good one. <sighs> so we get his flashback, and it turns out he was an orphaned Tuskman. And orphaned Tuskmen are the ones in Tuskman culture who get loaded on ships into cryo chambers and then sent on the deep space missions. Oh, it's time to play spam in the cane. It's an orphan's job. Yeah, so apparently he comes from pre-Federation Tuskman Prime. Yeah. Then. So that's why he... This kind of made me not understand how he didn't remember what species he was. Exactly. feel like there's something tricky there that I don't quite get, but... Do you feel like he is hundreds of years old for this reason? Is it clear how long the transit was before his pod got opened? Yeah, it seems like he must be hundreds of years old. And when he gets back to Tuskman Prime, he's going to need to call his law firm because he has accounts that would have matured over all of these years. And, yeah. you know, he's he's got important affairs to look into, you know? I really love how... Jenkum Pog's flashback answers a question that we never really had. <laughs> Why Jenkum Pog uses a constant third person recitation of his name when having interactions is explained <laughs> in his flashback because that's yeah. the only goal of this flashback. Yeah, it's like, why is he slightly nutty yeah. and and talk about himself in the third person? Yeah. And the, Explanation is he's a space orphan in cryostase at this ship. Rock hits the ship. And then on board the ship, a wrench falls on his cryopod and wakes him up. And somehow that means he's the person who is going to have to deal with the emergency. I feel like in order to be a spacefaring operation, you must be Six Sigma first, right? (laughs) What is this tool doing out like this? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like up above a glass paneled cryo chamber that could easily break and then you'd have a crispy critter. This is so bad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> awful. <laughs> he fixes everything. He he basically has a honey-do list 20 things long. And when he fixes one thing, another thing breaks and on and on and on. And he's got this, this robot helper who's giving him all of these tasks that... Always wants him to introduce himself. Please state your full name and... Finally, he fixes everything. And then in maybe the most aspirational line of dialogue in all of Star Trek, he is told <laughs> that now he can rest. <laughs> and it it like choked me up to hear that. God, Jenkin Pog can rest. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. But... The bad news about fixing all of these issues on the ship is that uh, all that pesky breathing he's been doing has used up too much of the air, air meant for the rest of the pods to have for themselves. Did you understand the scientific basis for this? Like, is there a finite amount of air that cannot be produced? And by breathing the way Jenkin Pog has and by volunteering to leave, is he suggesting that like, Great, if I'm gone, I'm not going to breathe any more air and and you'll get the amount that you need for the rest of the trip. Yeah, that's what I was understanding. But yeah, like, so he self-sacrifices and then is captured by Kazon and sold into slavery. <laughs> it's funny, like going back to Rock Talk's story as being the 
most painful expression of a sold into slavery origin story. <laughs> I'm starting to get unfortunately desensitized to this, <laughs> right? Because shouldn't yeah. every child's story of being sold into slavery or captured for slavery or whatever, that deserves its own single brass instrument. Right. And maybe its own episode. Yeah. The single brass instrument of making a slick back of a child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I didn't really even consider Jenkin Pog being the ultimate slick back. They're all slicks back. Yeah. They should have called this Star Trek slick back. I like it. Sketchy. <laughs> What's Murph's story, Ben? It's a belch. Yeah, it's a burp joke. That's burp that's joke. the only backstory. It turns out they reveal that Murph is Chakotay in this scene. Sounds great. <laughs> With the remaining 90 seconds of the episode. <laughs> the drive is charged, so they're gonna get to do their next proto jump and uh, you know, get away from the Federation before they make a problem of themselves. And then they're like, hey, but before we jump, what about you, Hologram Janeway? What's your prelude? <laughs> and uh, Hologram Janeway brings up Molly, the runt of the litter. Is that Janeway's dog? I only know that from context. I don't feel like Molly is a specific dog that, that I know about yet at this moment in Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, I don't either. Molly, a dog I loved more than Tom Mervyn's himself. <laughs> if I could have cropped him out and just shown Molly in that picture frame, I would have. <laughs> but back on the USS Shovel, they discussed the fact that this wanted poster was posted by the diviner. The diviner is the person willing to pay the bounty on all of these kiddos. So Janeway is curious if their finger flexions guest might know anything about this diviner character. So uh, unescorted, she walks down to Ensign Asensia's room where he's supposed to be, and uh, he judo chops her. Yeah. What is this? Ugh! What are you doing? And she hits the deck, and you know she's out because she's got that, like, one eye is, like, an eighth of an inch open, <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> she falls in a very... In a way, you don't want to fall and have your picture taken. Like, it's not right. a good look, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an ugly fall. It's not a hero's fall. Yeah, it's like your friends put that in the yearbook, in the <laughs> candid photo section. And then your parents are like, were you drinking? Yeah, it's the sort of fall that you rarely don't see a penis drawn on a forehead. <laughs> Like, something just looks off about Janeway on the ground. I'm, something's missing. Yeah, yeah. Can't tell. <laughs> well. Didn't like the fall, Ben, but did you like the episode? You know, with the, uh, with the caveat of me being grossed out by all of the kids being sold into slavery of the episode, uh... I thought it was a nice... You're you're meant to be grossed out by that, though. Yeah, no, it's this not... Show, hey, Ben, this show believes slavery is bad. I know. I know. I'm just saying, you know, like there are certain subjects that I don't necessarily find that entertaining, this being one of them. But um, if I can set that aside for a minute, I think that the structure of the episode is really fun and interesting and... It's like a clip show with all new clips 
and an interesting place in a story arc to put a series of backstory and, a, and an interesting place to choose to sort of step out of the forward momentum of the show for a second for that reason. I mean, like, I have some complicated feelings about this one, but I think, uh, like, from a writing and uh, dramatic presentation standpoint, I'm really for it. Do you have similarly complex feelings about it? Yeah, I mean, that's the specific way that I really like this episode was its construction, right? Yeah. I love the repetition of a how did you get here type of story. And there's a familiar pattern to it as a TV and movie watcher that just feels like you don't get lost in a story like this Yeah, in a way that is neat and maybe most appropriate for kids. And I... Like one thing we didn't comment on is how fucking flip zero is about like stating for the entire room, oh, you must have a very horrible backstory. Would you like to share it? <laughs> like at what point does consent for zero's mental abilities present itself? <laughs> and at what point are those lines actually crossed? Because it seems like zero crossed the line with every character in that way, yeah. in a way that sucked. Like, Zero is really the Andy Dick of the of the show, and the problem that I have with this episode, Ben, even more than slavery, even more than slavery, hmm. is that these characters don't share because they want to; they share their story because they're goaded into it. Fuck. <laughs> Are and, we turning on this episode? And I don't like that at all. <laughs> but yeah, love the episode. <laughs> okay no i mean the point is complicated feelings yeah that's i think that's a great way to sum it up yeah well adam the next thing we do on every episode of grace trek is read the messages in our priority one inbox what do you say we do that now it's the one thing i forgot to do before we started recording actually i forgot many things Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, our first priority one message is from Matt, a guy a little bit embarrassed to be buying another P1 on a Star Trek podcast. It's to Adam and not Ben. Hey! God damn it. Hey, Ben. What? You want to do me a favor and read this one for me? <sighs> Fuck you. I want you to read it. Hey, Adam, you're overdue for P1 love, so here's a question for you. You mentioned a Seattle Star Trek convention you went to as a teen. I think I was there. Did you see the costume contest? I was the precocious nine-year-old who took second place as a TNG-era Romulan. My bangs cut into a widow's pee. Whoa. Thank goodness smartphones hadn't been invented yet. Well, I really agree with you there, Matt. <laughs> I don't remember the year that I went, but I can tell you that Marina Sirtis was the guest of honor, and I got an action figure of her signed. I remember that. I could barely speak to her. I was so nervous. Wow. <laughs> um, 
What else? Do you remember kicking the ass of a kid that got second in the costume <laughs> contest? This fucking kid with like bangs cut into a widow's peak. <laughs> well, I shoved him down the escalator. Never saw him again. Jesus. He got his bangs caught <laughs> in the machine. <laughs> Got a little walk in there for a second. Yeah. Got his bangs caught in the machine. <laughs> and now I present to you the signed Marina Sirtis action figure. <laughs> I don't remember what year it was, Ben, and I... Pushing people down an escalator is his art form. He's about to paint his masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this is something that could be easily answered were I to Google it at all. But I I did not do the Googling. I don't know what year of the convention I went with a very, very cool girl invited me to go with her to this. And I didn't see that as potentially the message I should have. Oh, at the time. dang. Yeah. As oblivious as ever. Wow. That's what I was. Well, thanks for the message, Matt. Um, that was, uh, I laughed hard enough that I forgive you for only sending that one to Adam. Ben, our next priority one message is from Mary C. And it is to Ben and Adam. That's us. Dear Adam and Ben, I cannot thank you enough for being so awesome. Like many FODs, the pods have helped me through some rough times. And I hope you both know how genuinely appreciated you are. Wishing you only the greatest of treks ahead, Mary C. Well, thank you, Mary C. That is so absolutely delightful to read. That changed my whole day, Ben. That really did. That was great. Thanks, Mary. Dang. I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Yeah. How could I ask someone to send us a P1 after that? Give me a break. Thank you. You have to, Ben, because Priority One messages are a great way to support the show. You can write something down for us to read at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where we currently have some openings in future episodes of Greatest Trek and Greatest Generation. So get in there. Do it. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Arnus Franks. Arnus Franks. Arnus Franks. Arnus Franks. Waveform is so ugly. <laughs> There's no roundness to that waveform. <laughs> it's spiky and bad. Yeah, yeah. So, did you have one of those? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think the hero of Rock Talk Story. <laughs> It's almost too <laughs> ugly to make him a Barnus Franks. Yeah. Like, there are so many characters in this episode that overshoot Barnus Franks into, like, something dark and bad. Like, there's, totally. something, there's something funny, and uh, Barnus Franks is not as dark <laughs> as many of the characters <laughs> and stories in this episode are. And so it makes it hard to pick one. But I think... Like, the episode specifically makes this hero into a monster in a way that, like, the Kazon are generally the monsters that pick up everyone else. But very specifically, this hero yeah. 
does Rock Talk Dirty. And I have no other place to put the hero other than under the category of Barnes Franks. So I know it's fucked up. I'm going to do it. No, no. I can't disagree with you. That was yeah. the Barnes Franks that I wrote down as well, Adam. Yeah. I mean, from the slapstick, like stepping in the fruit and then slipping on the fruit yeah. scene to the not wanting to make eye contact with Rock Talk after getting made to be the heel in their little scene to selling Rock Talk into slavery because of that. Why do you think the episode doesn't show money changing hands with the hero actually? Like, I thought it was so weird that he made someone else do the transaction. Yeah. I mean, it also like sort of implies that Rock Talk was his property to sell. So Rock Talk was already enslaved in this context. I think <laughs> Rock Talk would never do this. <laughs> I feel like Jenkin Pog would do this, but Rock Talk would never be like, hey guys, you know, uh, I was the only slave that anyone actually paid for. <laughs> so that kind of makes me the alpha. Like I'm worth some latinum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apex slave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an awful thought. Yeah, the hero is definitely the Barnes Franks of this episode. We're going to uh, hit you with some credits in a second where you can find out about what's happening on the next episode of Star Trek Prodigy. But first, Adam, we've got a beloved segment here on the show. It's the Warning Bois segment. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. Oh, yeah. This is where we read a message posted to social media that should serve as a warning to anyone out there, friend of DeSoto or otherwise, who may be already a viewer or considering being a viewer of the show. Yeah, yeah. If you see, if you see this message, if you're the wrong kind of person for this show, you would turn and, and go the other direction. But if you're the right kind of person, maybe it's an encouragement to uh, give it a listen. And that's sort of what we're trying to encourage here. More people posting about our show across the interwebs. Ben, today's warning bois message was actually posted to Reddit. That's kind of a social network. Reddit, a place I try not to go, but maybe should go more often based on this comment. This was posted by you slash... Benjamus1138. Message goes like this. Thank you, Adam, for a massive head wound hairy joke. <laughs> for a second, I was sitting on my couch with my parents up way past my bedtime and had a whole lot less to worry about. And thanks to you and Ben, too, for all the other dumb shit on this silly pod. You make Mondays bearable and people look at me funny on the bus. <laughs> hey, what a sweet thing to say yeah. by old Benjamus here. I try not to miss an opportunity to refer to a SNL bit from the late 80s or early 90s, or late 90s even. You've got a great track record at that. And massive head wound Harry, definitely a funny character from that era. Indeed, Adam. Well, um, we've had a great time talking about this weird episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Listen to the credits for more information. And if you'd like to show up on the warning buoys, Secushin. Secushin! Segment of the show... Shut up. You know, tweet about us or... Uh, it was a pronunciation crime. <laughs> Do an Instagram post or go on Reddit. 
you know, all of these things work. Maybe, maybe Mastodon. What about TikTok? There's got to be TikToks out there about our show, right? I wonder what happens if you search the greatest Trek hashtag on TikTok. We haven't always been kind to the social media networks writ large. Mm-hmm. But in every place that Friends of DeSoto gather, there are good parts of those places thanks to them. It's true. So, so seek them out. Please do. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next up on Star Trek Prodigy, it's Season 1, Episode 17, Ghost in the Machine. When the crew gets trapped in the holodeck by a mysterious malfunction, they aren't sure what's programmed or what's real. Adam Ragusia created the original music that you hear throughout this show. Make sure you're subscribed to his podcast and his YouTube cooking channel, and you can find those by searching for Adam Ragusia. Thank you to Nick Dittmore, who created the show art, and Bill Tilly, who manages the social media pages on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, a big thank you to the members who are making this show possible with their monthly contributions. You can set up a membership and get access to the network's entire library of bonus content at MaximumFun.org join. You can also support by leaving a review or just by recommending the show to someone who you think might enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.